Welcome to Spielin' and Dealin', the Georgia High School Basketball Podcast. I am Kyle Sandy, the owner and founder of SandySpiel.com. And with me today, as always, is a producer and moderator of the podcast, Ramin Forgani. Ramin, how are you, sir? We are in the summer months. Georgia high school basketball is heating up, not necessarily with the uh, the high school teams, even though we did have the live period event, but we had some other good basketball to cover as well. But before we get to that, Ramin, how are you doing so far, sir? I'm doing well. We're into July now, that much closer to the 1920 season. As you know, everyone's heating up. Um, teams, transfers are happening, but we're not talking about that today. As you mentioned, we're talking about some summer ball, and we have a very special guest on the podcast today, Kyle. That is very true. We have Mr. Dan McDonald, Lake Point Basketball Program Director. Also, you know him for his coverage with Rivals.com, writing about all the hot prospects in the state of Georgia. Mr. McDonald, how are you, sir? It's uh, You're a big git, man. You're a popular name <laughs> in the community right now, and we are truly blessed, as the kids say, to have you on the podcast today. There's no one bigger than you, Kyle. I'm happy to be on anytime. <laughs> well, we got you on today because you just you just put forth, what, this is a, the second year of Battle for Georgia? Correct. Yep. And Battle for Georgia, if people don't know, I don't know how you wouldn't know, but all our top programs in the state of Georgia, travel ball teams, all come together under one roof at Lake Point and we really just decide who the best team is you know all the all the talk of Nike versus Adidas versus Independent versus um, you know Under Armour all that goes out the window we get everything decided on the court and we just wrapped up a fantastic battle for Georgia event and before we dive into the specifics uh, just tell me a little bit about how battle for Georgia how that all got constructed I know this is year two but what was the uh, the thought process of putting that together, and how difficult is it to put something that big together? So, you know, people have been talking for a long time. It's like, man, we need to find a way to get all these top Jordan teams, you know, under one roof and kind of have a state championship. Because, you know, like you said, like there's Under Armour teams, there's Nike teams, there's Adidas teams, there's independent teams, and they all kind of have their own schedules. So it's just hard to get them all in the same place on the same day and make schedules work. So. Um, so that was kind of, yeah, that's where the idea came from. And, you know, we we're just sitting here, me and my boss team came here at Lake Point about a year and a half ago. And he was like, man, how are we going to do that? How we need to find a day? So we kind of settled on July 8th last year is the day that could make it work. So I kind of ran the idea by all the travel coaches in the state and you know, they were all cool with that day. They all kind of liked the idea. Um, so it's just kind of a matter of selling them, you know, fun about like, Hey, like we're going to get all the top teams here. We're going to kind of, like you said, settle it on the court. Um, so last year there was a lot more, you know, having to sell the idea of it. Like this year, it just got, it became a lot easier because like the teams were, you know, a lot of the teams were begging me like, Hey, are you going to invite us? We need one invite kind of thing. And, um, so I mean, it's only a year too, but it's kind of become a thing already with, you know, really get excited about it. So, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun putting it together and kind of seeing it grow and you know, seeing all the great players come through. And you've mentioned you, you've been able to see it grow, and it's still in its infancy a little bit, but what's the next step for the battle for Georgia? Do you think this is going to expand some more? Or are we going to stay at, what is it, eight teams? Are we going to go to maybe a middle school division if a, if a perfect world occurs? What do you think is the next step, or do you want to continue at this, this similar format, 15, 16, 17? We've got eight teams, and just continue to make that as strong as possible and grow that. Uh, make it as strong as possible, better and better each and every year. And then from there, uh, maybe look into exploring the idea of expanding it some more. Yeah. I mean, we're always kind of kicking around different ideas of how to make it bigger and better and all that. But 
I, I'm pretty set on sticking to 18th per division, and I definitely want to kind of keep the 15 and 16 and 17 all in a separate event. But I mean, there's there's always a chance that maybe at the other end of the gym we we add something else for younger kids or um, or just we we're always kind of tossing around ideas. So I don't want to kind of throw anything out there yet, but um, yeah, I mean we're we're definitely gonna try to make this thing bigger and better and uh, come with new ideas to to keep it you know, fresh and and keep teams coming and, and excited about it. So let's get into the fun stuff now. Let's actually talk about what went on the other day. Before we get into any, I guess, real specifics and topics, what, what, what do you think about the event? How do you think it all played out? And what were some of like your biggest storylines, if anything, really popped out to you? Uh, I thought the games were all – I mean, there was a couple of blowouts. Like, I mean, I'm sure you saw them. But for the most part, like the games were competitive. And what I really liked is the team seemed to really, really care about winning. I mean, I think it's a little bit of bragging rights and competitiveness, but just I love that they kind of take like the state pride aspect of it. And like, you know, I saw coaches after the team's loss yesterday kind of really ripping into their teams pretty good. And again, that just kind of lets me know that they care about winning here. So that's been cool. Um, but the storyline I kind of really liked the most was seeing the Georgia Knights, you know, and, and it wasn't a huge surprise anyway, seeing the Georgia Knights play this spring that they won the 17 championship, but just kind of how it came all came together and, you know, and how cool is it that, you know, our school right down the road, Kennesaw State, you know, they're, they already have the kid that was the MVP of our 17 division, you know, committed and locked up. And he's going to, he's going to be an absolute star for them. He's just, Chris Youngblood's a really, really good scorer, really just great leader. He's a tough kid. I mean, he's got, he's got everything you could possibly want if you're, you know, Amir Abdurrahim at Kennesaw State. So um, that whole thing was cool. And just, you know, seeing, you know, other guys that were just really kind of highly ranked, kind of back up, you know, you know, how good we think they are. And, it was just, it was a good overall day, I thought. And, and let's start in that seventeen U division. You mentioned it, the Georgia Knights, an independent program. Uh, they ended up winning the championship over the Atlanta Celtics. They led the entire game. Then you have Brandon Stroud fouling out. You got Chris Youngblood fouling out, and you're you're like, oh boy, we're we're in trouble because it starts slipping away, slipping away. And then they they see the uh, the lead go by the wayside on a Dwan Odom uh, tip in there. Uh, but at the end, uh, after a missed shot, it was Ben Raspberry with the offensive rebound and put back, uh, scoring it with about five seconds left to win the game, 80 to 79. But I had the pleasure of tracking the Knights. Uh, I didn't really have it lined up that way, but uh, got to see them play all three games. And you mentioned Chris Youngblood. Uh, talk about just a, a, a superstar, a, a burgeoning star. He had a great season last year, but he has been on a tear like no one else in the state of Georgia from what I've seen and just reading off the stats that he had uh, throughout the tournament, he had 25 points, six rebounds against team Georgia magic. Then in the second round, he had 20 points, six rebounds against um, team force and then saved his best for last in the championship game against the Celtics, 32 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. And, and you mentioned it. I think young blood, he, he, he looks like he could be, uh, a real program-changing guy and a real cornerstone at Kennesaw State. And for him to be going to Kennesaw State, uh, that's just such an incredible get for Abdur Rahim and that staff over there. You know, they've really hit the ground running, and it just shows you if you recruit the state of Georgia, uh, there is so much talent. But, I mean, I, I, I've been harping on him a lot, and I, I want to hear you gush about him a little bit more and a little bit more about these Georgia Knight guys. But, I think it all starts with Chris Youngblood, and he's just been so phenomenal. And uh, you know what? What I know what I think makes him so tough. But what do you think 
uh, makes him such an impactful player at this level? And uh, what do you think is going to really help him stand out at the next level in college as well? You know, the, I mean, the one thing that all coaches and anybody who watches basketball can pick up on right away is that he can score the ball. I mean, he was finished at the rim, mid-range, threes, all of the above. He can, he can score it. So that's the first thing that's going to jump out to anybody. But, you know, throughout the day, you know, they're hanging around, I'm around, get to talk to him a little bit, just kind of mess around with him. And um, you, you spend like five, ten minutes with the kid. Like, you can kind of see what makes him tick. Like, the one thing I noticed is, so we're having everybody come through the line and take pictures and headshots and all that. I was trying to get their team over. I go over to Chris. I'm like, hey, can you uh, help me get your guys over here? Right away, it's like, guys, let's go get pictures. They all got up right away and walked right over. So that tells me that, like, this is a dude that they're, they're going to listen to. It ain't like, Chris, shut up. It's, all right, let's, that's our leader. Let's do what he says. He just kind of, he has a confidence to him, too. It was right before the championship game. I was like, hey, you guys going to win? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to go over and tell the Celtics guys you said that. He's like, yeah, go ahead. So, I mean, just so, and it wasn't, and the way he said it wasn't cocky at all. He just, just a matter of fact, and, you know, he went out and backed it up. So, I seen you talking about a tough kid, confident kid. He's got leadership qualities and all the skills you could possibly want. He's big, he's strong, he's tough. I mean, like like you said, like I, I couldn't go on enough about him. I, I think he's going to be – and I was actually talking to the Georgia Knights coach this morning, and um, he kind of mentioned what you just said. Like part of his reason he chose Kennesaw State was, you know, he wants to go somewhere where you're not just another one of the guys. Like, you know, you look back after his career 10, you know, 10 years afterwards and look back and it's like, man, Youngblow is the one that put KSU on the map and kind of made them into something special. So, um, no, he's, he's, he's everything you and I have both said he is. He's, he's a star, man. And you talked about, you know, putting Kennesaw on the map. That reminds me of what he's been able to do at East Coweta. East Coweta was exactly. not good. They won like five. Yeah, games. and I don't think it's a coincidence that everywhere the kid plays, he's always on a winning team. I, I don't think that's a coincidence at all. So he, he, he knows the struggle. He knows what it is. He's not, you know, roses from the first day. You're not, he did not step into a program that was winning 25 games a year, but he stayed there and they got better and they got better and they got better. And to join a, a program like Kennesaw State, he's going to be one of those building blocks. And, uh, you know, he knows the grind. He knows what it takes to, you know, take your lumps, but turn a team into a winner. So that's very exciting for Kennesaw State fans. And one thing about him, is that he has some grown man strength at that guard no position. And another player that has some grown man strength that is starting to get a little bit of respect now across the state, which I, I thought he's been a, a pretty good player, but I know he just doesn't have that, that, that sizzle like some of these other guys are, uh, you know, been having. But Kershaw Thrash over there at Eagles Landing, I mean, this is one of the best rebounders in the state at the guard position. Let me just read off the stats for him. Against Team Georgia Magic, he had 24 points and he had 18 rebounds, three assists, two blocks. So a monster game right there. He followed that up uh, in the the blowout win over Team Force. Didn't really need him too much. Three points, three rebounds, but he had five assists. And then in the championship game, you're looking at 13 points. You're looking at 14 rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block. And he's a guy that, like I said, I liked him for a while, but I never really knew what position he is. He's got that kind of stocky build. Uh, he's not like a, a, an elite three-point shooter. He can knock down the three. He can do a little bit of everything. He's a jack-of-all-trades. I saw him uh, guarding Byron Matos, a big uh, 6'9 center going to Mississippi State. He, he had the task of guarding him down low at times. And, of course, the big fellow only had two points against him. But Thrash, he just does everything. He is a stat sheet stuffer every single time out. He can affect the game without scoring. 
and he can just really play. And I, I love his game. He's a really good passer as well, but the rebounding, the passing, and he showed that he can really pop off with his mid-range jump shot too. Uh, but what do you think about Kershaw Thrash and how he played this weekend? Uh, he was – so, I mean, I'm running around watching a bunch of games being pulled in different directions, but I did get to see a decent amount of the championship game, and, and, um, and I actually got to watch Kershaw a little bit at the NCAA Georgia team camp a couple weeks ago. And um, I thought he stood there. I think kind of like you said, like he's a kind of a hard guy to peg a defined, you know, traditional position to. But I actually think in, you know, in today's game, you know, I, I you hear so much about positionless basketball. Well, I think he's a perfect kind of guy. Like if, if you're trying to play just, you know, four around one or whatever you're trying to do, he's a guy that can do a lot of different things for you. And he has a little bit of size. So, you know, I was describing to a college coach this morning. I was like, I just think he's a wing forward that can rebound. He can score. He just knows kind of like we said with young, but he just knows how to play. He just has kind of a winner's mindset. So, um, no, I think he's definitely somebody. I think he's got an offer from Presbyterian right now. I'd, I'd be willing to bet you know, he's going to have you know, at least a few more, you know, Southern low major and mid major programs. Because like you said, he's probably the most underrated kid in the state right now. Yeah. He's just, he's just so valuable. Just, you know, you he literally at the high school level at least you could play him at any single position like Garden yep. Matos down though he can play every single position he's about six three six four in that in that range but with that that size and strength that muscle uh he just plays some bully ball at times he's just a grown man down there but uh I mean the Georgian Knights uh were phenomenal and I know you said you've been you know you get you get you get pulled around this is your event you got to make sure everything is is running smoothly. But did you get to see a little bit of any other 17U players that maybe stood out to you or any teams or anybody you know, else that had a positive impression? In the championship game, I mean, I know they lost, but like you said, Juwan Odom had that tip in to put him ahead before the Knights took the lead back at the very end. But Juwan's another one. I think he's got a lot of those same winner's traits. I mean, he just plays so hard. Um He's a good passer. He's a good teammate. He's finished at the rim as good as anybody in the state. Yesterday, he did a couple of jump shots, which has kind of always been you know, his one weakness in the past. Um, so I think he's going to be a star at Xavier. I know he's already committed there. Um, been committed for about a year now. Um, as far as other teams, uh, you know, Team Forest was a team I thought you know, kind of surprised a little people by beating Game Elite in the first round. You know, they got Christian Fussell, who's had a lot of um, – you know, new recruiting offers lately, but Georgia Tech, Mississippi State. Um, oh, he's only been playing basketball for a few years, but man, he's got a he's got a bright future in front of him. It's you know six nine, long, athletic, a little bit of skill to him. Um, and Melvin Edwards is just another tough dude, long, athletic. At another one that Kennesaw State's kind of set their eyes on. Um, so Team Four has kind of caught my attention, and um, yeah, I mean, it was I just thought that whole division was really competitive. I thought that was that was the best part. But you had two independent teams in Team Forest and Georgia Knights, you know, making it to the uh, semifinals of that division. So that was that was cool to see. Yeah, for sure. We have uh, we have great basketball, just like in the high school, where you know, North, South, East, West, Middle Georgia, Metro Georgia, it's all over the place. You got to you know, even in travel ball, you got shoe teams that are great, but you got these independent teams that are just killer as well. And uh, yeah, a guy you mentioned, Melvin Edwards. I'm a big fan of his, you know, athletic, 6'6", on the wing, can shoot the ball some, knows how to protect the rim, rebounds. Uh, that's a guy that Kennesaw State is uh, definitely going after, and he would be a, a really nice get for them. Uh, so very impressive. But another guy I wanted to talk about from that losing team was on the, uh, on the Atlanta Celtics was Tanari Lane. He had 13 points, five rebounds, three assists, one block, knocked down two threes. He's a very – 
very steady outside shooter. But the one moment I saw from him that, you know, made the largest impact for me was at the end of that game when Matt Davis got a steal. It was a close game. It was kind of helter-skelter. Uh, he hadn't played much at all, but he got a steal. And he quickly, you know, instead of taking one more dribble and laying it up, he got it and kind of like flipped it up and he missed the shot. And then, uh, you know, the Knights came with, came down with the rebound. And that was a, a, a big moment now. The Celtics were able to get the lead uh, later on in that game. But, uh, you know, some teammates were very frustrated with them. And Davis knew he, he did wrong. He should have, you know, waited a little bit more and let that play develop instead of just catching it and, and throwing it up there and rushing a quick shot. But Tanari Lane went over to him when they were walking to the foul line. And, you know, he put his hand on his chest and just was telling him, don't worry about it. The next play, uh, just just keep your head up. And that 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 really showed me something just as far as leadership goes. Uh, when other uh, other players were, were mad at him and, you know, you're caught up in the moment and you really want to win this championship. But for Tanari Lane uh, over there at Grayson now, just to show that maturity, and leadership to say, hey, man, it's okay. We're going to get it back. Uh, that was great to see. And I've heard from the coaching staff over there at Grayson that he is a, a great kid, an outstanding kid. And to see him uh, provide that leadership on the floor, uh, at least from my eyes and my standpoint, uh, really looked like uh, that is all true. So I, I really like to see that type of leadership out there. That's why you're the great Kyle saying that I actually missed that interaction, but it doesn't like you. I've heard kind of the same thing about him. So it doesn't surprise me, but. Um, Tonari, like you said, he's he was great yesterday. He shoots the cover off the ball. He was, I, I always kind of like I said, I was watching bits and pieces every game, and every time, every time, every time I saw him put up a shot, it was going in. And it's been that way for the better part of you know three or four months now. Ever since he's been playing with that Celtics team, so um, he's another one. I had a couple coaches you know, text me, ask me how he was playing yesterday. I was like, I mean, if you guys are looking for you know a wing with some size that can really shoot it, I mean this this is your guy. He can he can really play. He's you, you can tell he's worked hard because he hasn't always been a kid that can shoot it. And you see times where, you know, a kid who's not really known as a shooter has a good weekend or two, and then he goes back to not being a good shooter. Whereas Tanari, I mean, it, we're talking about, you know, going back to Morich where he's been shooting a whole lot better. So I think that goes to show that he's you know willing to work and put in the time. And, and this, this isn't something that's going to go away. He's always going to be able to shoot it. So um, like you said, I, th- I think he's definitely one to watch coming forward. Yeah, I'm a I'm a fan of his game, and he's just got some of that grown man strength, a great frame. It feels like he's been in high school for about six or seven years now because he's, yeah. he's been productive since day one. But he's no definitely a, a really good wing prospect. But I want to shift it down to 16U now. Were you able to see that 16U championship game? We had Game Elite uh, erasing an 11-point deficit at the half to beat the Georgia Stars 72-64. to and there were a couple of standouts in that game. Um, but before we get deep into that one, uh, what did you see from the, the 16U age group? Did anyone really stand out to you? Were you able to sit down and catch a couple of these games? Well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned about Game Elite coming back against the Georgia Stars because Game Elite actually almost got knocked out in the first round against the Express. They were down, I think it was double digits in the second half. And, you know, I walked over to another court and I come back and here they are making this run and force overtime and come back and win. So, their run was almost even over before they even started after the first game, but they just kept on fighting and scrapping. And, you know, again, kind of had a, they were down, I think they were down double digits against Hypox in the second half too in the semifinal stuff. And they were kind of the comeback kids all day. Um, so that was kind of something that really stood out to me. And I think a lot of that goes to two guys in game late. I thought Robbie Armbrester was fantastic all day. He's been, mm-hmm. every time I see him, I love him more. That, that kid just, 
never stops playing. He's strong. He's tough. He's competitive. He just – every loose ball is his. He can pass and dribble. He just an unselfish winner. And, and again, like we said with Youngblood, like this is a dude who's not just been winning a game elite this spring. He just won a state championship with Theron. I think like, – I don't, I don't find that to be a coincidence. So he really stood out to me. Um, Jaheim Hudson, I thought, had a really, really good day. Yeah, you, um, you're stealing the words from my mouth. I mean, those yeah, two guys, what they did in the championship game, they really carried those and guys. Jaheim did it all day. I mean, in the semifinal game against the High Fox, I mean, you can go search on SCV TV or OST. I mean, he had a pretty filthy dunk over uh, Cole Middleton on High Fox. So, you know, went viral a little bit. And Jaheim played so hard. And he's more of a, he's a little bigger than Robbie, but. I mean, you get two goons like that down in the post on a team, and, and they're tough, man. And then their guard play was also pretty good. I thought George Bridget made some good plays down the stretch for them. I thought um, Garrison Powell played pretty well throughout the day. Um, so, yeah, they, I mean, they just had a tough group. The Georgia Stars had a heck of a day, too. Um, you know, I thought Frankie Anselm had a good day. Corey Richardson is originally from, he's from South Carolina, had a good day for the Stars. So, um, no, that whole division was really competitive. I mean, like the Hype Hawks have been one of the best teams, you know, all spring in the travel series. And I mean, they, they lost a nail biter to that game late to win a championship. So I, I thought the 16 division about the top five teams, maybe even six, um, were all pretty, like there was not a whole bunch of separation. It was just going to be a matter of a bounce here, a bounce there, maybe a bad call here, a bad call there. And that's the kind of thing that's going to decide that division. Cause those teams are all really, really good, really, really competitive and pretty even across the board, I think. Yeah, you're right. There were some great games, and uh, I want to touch on that championship game a little bit more. But, yeah, Jaheim Hudson, I mean, he had uh, – what is it? looks like 13 of his 19 points in the second half. So he had 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, three blocks in that championship win over the Georgia Stars. Uh, man, I, I think he's going to end up being a great player, and that's a guy that Division One schools are going to really have to start knocking down uh, his door because he he can score with both hands. He's like ambidextrous in the low post. He's going to use his left hand. He's going to use his right hand. He's so skilled down there. He has some post moves. He has a little baby hook as well, uh, but he plays above the rim. He puts people on posters, and defensively, he's going to rebound the heck out of the ball, and he's a great shot blocker as well. So Jaheim Hudson, I think, you know, stock up, stock up. I really love him in that 2021 class. He is a He's a good one. He's about six seven or so, but I feel like he, he has some guard skills to him a little bit back in the day, but he's been sprouting up and growing and growing and growing. And, uh, I mean, I really love what he can do out there. He's uh, And he's a talented passer, too. When he gets doubled in the post or anything like that, he knows how to, to get the ball out to shooters. Uh, I really loved him. And you you hit the nail on the head with Robbie Armbrester, just uh, the epitome of bully ball in the state of Georgia. He is about six five or so. But he is nonstop effort, just a madman on the court. Once he's he got gets a little in, bit of Draymond Green quality to him. Yes. Once he gets going, once, you know, if there's any trash talk involved or, you know, he starts talking to himself on the court, it's going to be a long night for the other team because uh, once you rev him up, there's no turning him off. And he had 12 points, uh, had 11 rebounds, two assists, one block in that championship game. That is just a guy that is going to play smash mouth basketball, uh, just hit you in the mouth and go at you for the full 32 minutes. Uh, and and you, you said it, he's a state champion for a reason. He just knows how to, you know, pound, 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 pound away. And especially in Class 2A, there's not many guys his size, or uh, especially not anybody that has that type of motor that can go up against him. 
and, and he's just really, uh, really an animal. And, and he was really impressive. So, you know, Armbruster and Hudson really, really carried Game Elite down the stretch there with their inside play. And one, one other team I want to talk about real quick was those hype Hawks. And I saw Matt Cleveland at his absolute best, I feel like. 29 points, had 24 in the first half, five rebounds, four steals. Uh, overwhelmed Team Eat. But, I mean, what, he got that invite to the USA minicamp. Uh, he's good. Everyone in the state of Georgia has been singing his praises for years now, and he is really starting to put this all together. And now that he's going to Pace Academy, um, you know, he's going to be held to a very high standard over there now. Uh, but, man, he he puts people on posters. He is a highlight player, so smooth, so skilled. Uh, what do you see Matt Cleveland? What do you see his uh, his ceiling being? And do you think he has he has the juice to really get this Pace Academy team to a state championship in his next two seasons? I do. I think uh... – with Matt, the obvious things that jump out with him right away is he's about six foot six. He's long, he's bouncy. Um, he plays his butt off. I mean, he's he's always in the mix on plays. He's great in transition. Um, the two areas I think he's got to iron out is he's not a consistently good shooter yet. Mm-hmm. And you kind of saw that come in a play a little bit towards the end of the semifinal game yesterday where he missed a couple free throws late. And then I think he needs to get better at just straight up making ball moves off the dribble instead of he'll kind of start dribbling and it's not an effective dribble. Like I think he's more efficient with how he does that. But like you said, I mean, there's a reason all these schools all, all over the country are recruiting him. He's, he's a really good player. He rebounds, he defends. I say he's great in transition. He's a really good athlete. He's got all the tools to be great. And then to tie that all in, these coaches aren't just looking for basketball players. They need kids that are going to do the work on the school side of it. And, you know, Matthew's a great student. So, um, but I have no doubt he'll continue to get better. I actually have an interesting story about Matt. I actually coached against Matt when he was in eighth grade when I coached the Harrison team. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Matt was about six foot one. But you could see it then. He was the best kid he played against all year. He could handle the ball. He could shoot it. He did a little bit of everything then. And um, he just progressively got better. And I think he's still kind of growing into his body because I think he's had a growth spurt within the last year. So um, I think he's got a really, really high ceiling. And it, it doesn't surprise me that you know, all sorts of high major programs all over the country, you know, outside of the blue bloods, like Kentucky and Duke will start recruiting him. And I, and I don't think it's crazy to consider that maybe someday North Carolina or Duke will, or Kansas will come in and offer him. He's, he's that level of prospect for sure. And you know, what makes the hype Hawks really good. I feel like is those two big men inside Cole Middleton. He's been, he's been hurt a lot. Uh, but you know, you could see he was a little rusty out there in the, in the one game I saw him play against, uh, uh, team eat, but he, he was able to get eight points, seven rebounds, two steals, a block, and an assist. But you know he is so big, and I know maybe some of that has just been uh, uh you know he hasn't been able to get out there and run. I'm sure he'll shed a couple pounds here and there, but he does have a ton of muscle on him already, and that's a guy that once he gets his legs back under him, Cole Middleton was like an all state forward, and once he's healthy, he's going to be just uh, a big bruiser inside. But he's always going to rebound. He's always going to score around the rim. But the one guy that I see, and I, I just keep thinking this guy is sneaky on the radar, he's getting better and better, is Devin McLaughlin over there from South Forsyth. He's about 6'7", maybe like 6'6 half or so. But he started Long. – Yeah, he he's, can block some shots. And I'm going to let you take the floor and talk to, talk to everybody about him. But I know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to let you jump in and tell me because you know Devin McLaughlin, he can really play. Yeah, both you you nailed it. Both those big guys. I mean, I think Cole Middleton. So I've been doing the recruiting, scouting stuff about ten years now in Georgia. 
I got to say, he's probably, if he's not the best, he's really, really close to the best rebounder I've seen. That's like every time the ball is anywhere near his hands, it's his. He's, like, he gets out the floor pretty quick. Like you said, like still working back from injury, getting in the best playing shape. And it's all, we all understand that. But I mean, I mean, I thought he was highly effective in, in rebounding yesterday and good finisher and, you know, good skill. But like you said, he, between him and Matt Cleveland um, and Madison Durr, who was playing on the Express yesterday in the 6-year division, that's a that's a heck of a rising junior class for, uh, for Sarman Wake to build around. Um, Devin McLaughlin's not somebody I've seen a ton of outside of playing with the Hypox, but um, like kind of some of the things you mentioned with his way he rebounds, he blocks shots, runs the floor well, just kind of plays hard. And um, <clears throat> yeah, when you have those two glass eaters and shot blockers in the middle of the paint like they do, I mean, and then you got Matthew Cleveland and um, I'll even touch on another guy I think is kind of unsung here on that team is Sutton Smith, the way he mm-hmm. kind of runs things. Like, I'm not here to tell you what level of college prospect Sutton's going to be, but I'm here to tell you that there's not a lot of guys that, as far as just running their team, making the right play, making the right pass, making big shots, there, there's not a lot of guys in the state right now that do it better than him. Um, so I think, I just think they kind of got a nice little nucleus there of guys have been playing together, and that's why they're so tough to beat. Yeah, and I think uh, Devin McLaughlin, you're right. He's a really good shot blocker. And just something that came to mind and I've been putting out there, he kind of reminds me, you know, he might not be there yet, but he brings a little bit of, you know, some shades of like James Glisson, who's going to be a freshman at Mercer. You know, a big body, good hands, rebounds, can block some shots, but he can shoot the ball too. And when McLaughlin, he knocked down a three in one of the games I saw, uh, that was pretty impressive. Now, I don't think he can handle the ball as well as Glisson did on the perimeter at times, but just a similar kind of build, a bigger guy that is uh, you know pretty skilled. Sometimes you got to watch him a few times to just notice how how actually skilled and how talented he is. Uh, but that's a name that's been coming to my mind. So I really want to see how McLaughlin does over these next two years because I think he could really become a one of those guys that blossoms into a, a Division One type prospect. And I want to touch on Sutton Smith. Uh, what do you think? I, I always go back and forth with these two guys. Sudden Smith, Brock Bidwell. Sudden Smith, Brock Bidwell. How do I you, knew you were going there. Yeah. How, how do you how how can you differentiate these two? You have the expert eye. I'm not a I'm not a guru like you are. But what do you see between those two guys? And is one ahead of the other, or you think they're really neck and neck? I think, like you said, they have a lot of the same kind of traits, about the same size. Same level athlete, same kind of game. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I would, it would be really hard for me to sit here and pinpoint that one's better than the other because I've, I've seen them both a bunch, but I've never really just sat there and tried to pick holes or, or really try to praise a part of their game. But um, to me, you're talking about two very similar kind of point guards, and both are highly effective at what they do. Um, and, and Brock played a big part in. Game elite beating a hypox and then be, uh, beating Georgia Stars in the championship. So, um, no, I, I think they're both really good. And uh, kind of everything I just said about Sutton being the unsung hero for hypox, I think you can make a lot of those same arguments for Brock with Game Elite as far as the kind of way he makes big shots and great decisions and, you know, kind of you know, do what coach tells you and you know, has some leadership qualities too. I mean, he's. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'll struggle. With, I've struggled with that for two years now. I'm going to struggle with it for the next two years. So, um, and, and I don't think we need to pick who's better. I, mean, they're both, uh, I think what they're both going to be is they're both going to be good college players wherever they end up. I don't even know what right. level that is, but I think they're both, they're both going to have bright futures. Very true. Very true. But now it's time to swing it down to 15U. And 15U, 
boy, oh boy, I think it was you that showed me that tweet that you're going to say, man, 10 years from now, look at this tweet we, we, we put out there. There's some good guards in that 15U 2022 class, and they were all on display. And again, before we dive into specific games, uh, just talk to me about some of the talent we have coming up, these rising sophomores, because just looking at these teams, uh, we got a lot of talent in the state of Georgia. Georgia's not going any anywhere anytime soon. Uh, we're loaded, and again, it starts with our guard play. Yeah, I mean, I, it's like, like I just said, I've been doing this for about 10 years now. I don't remember a class in Georgia where we have four point guards slash just guards in one class as good as Bruce Thornton Jr., Dylan Hunter, Studa Henderson, and Zaka Littleton Jr. I mean, those are those are four dudes that we're probably going to look up in four to five years. Like I told you when I sent that tweet out yesterday, that you know they're going to be playing in the ACC, the SEC, and you know who knows if, if things go right for one or all of them. You know, maybe someday we see them playing in the NBA with each other. I mean, those guys are they're all really really talented. Now, yes, and, th- and this is going to change a lot going forward. I mean, we're going to have back and forth on who we think's the best of the bunch. But um, you know, Bruce Thornton's team won the championship yesterday. We gave Bruce Thornton the MVP award yesterday, mm-hmm. and I thought that was a pretty easy call you know, with the way that they played out. I mean, you saw the championship game. I mean, he was f- phenomenal. Big shots, big finishes, nice passes, Took takes pride on defense. And just. I, and I think if, if people have been listening to the whole podcast at this point, I think there's very similar traits between the three guys that we had named MVP. So it was Chris Youngblood for 17, Bobby Armbrester for 16s, and Bruce Thornton for 15s. All three dudes that just have a, a winning – mindset and toughness and the little the, it's the little things that I think thought separated their those guys and their teams yesterday and um I th- that was to me was about the coolest part yesterday and, and like I said Bruce is probably going to have the best college options of the three I'd imagine but um he, he he's special man he's going to be a good one yeah he was he was terrific and I mean you know going head to head against these guys uh before I I get into uh the individual games again, but I mean, Bruce, the thing that I feel like separates him, I just feel like he has such a stranglehold on each game. Like, you know, he is out there every single time. There are not going to be wasted possessions. He is in complete control. His team's not going to get sped up. He's going to get his team good shots. He is going to rebound exceptionally well for a guard. Um, and he, he's got that big, strong, like running back body, and he knows how to use it, whether it be, you know, getting his shoulders past the defender and getting to the basket, or if it's just playing great fundamental defense, being able to slide his feet and stay in front of these, you know, some of these quicker guards or more explosive guards that want to get downhill. He just understands how to play the game. Such a high IQ. It does not look like a rising sophomore, but he was just, you know, just so terrific. And he's another one of these guys that is just going to stuff the stat sheet. And I'm just going to read off these stats, you know, uh, looking at it in the semifinal game, I guess it was uh, against the uh, against the Georgia Stars. We had uh, he he went for 21 points. He went for 11 rebounds. He went for four assists. And now that's going up against Dylan Hunter, who has a you know the USA team. You know Dylan he, he, Dylan had moments there, and he's got that about six five guard frame. So uh, he's going to be really really good, obviously. But I just did not see him be as polished as Bruce is. You know, he had eight points, you know, five rebounds, two assists, four steals and a block. Dylan's going to be really good, and he has that size that might give him a little bit higher of a ceiling. 
than Bruce is, but Bruce is like a senior right now. Like he was a senior as a freshman. He's going to be a senior as a sophomore. He just knows how to play the game and he's going to impact the game. And then, you know, in the championship game, 85 71 over Game Elite Big Five, he does it again. He, he, he bangs in three state threes in the second half, which is obviously for, you know, many young players and for many guards is can they shoot the ball? Well, he shot the ball well when he needed to, and he goes for 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists, and four steals, and that's going up against Scooter Henderson, who I think is, you know, I think he's a better athlete as far as explosive and, you know, a little more bounce, but I think Bruce has him with the physicality. I think he's stronger than Scooter and and, and that mindset. And uh, Scooter had a good game, too. He had 18 points, eight rebounds, four assists, and three steals. But again, Bruce just a little bit better when he needed to be and helped his team win that championship. But, you know, just looking at that 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 championship matchup, um, what did you see from TSF and what did you see from Game Elite Big Five? Who did you see really stand out for both of those teams? Well, like you just, everything you just mentioned about Bruce is spot on. And I was actually texting one of his coaches last night at TSF, and the thing he said, you know, Bruce, like you said, he made some shots yesterday, but it's kind of been one of the things for him that he's had to really work at, but he's got a lot better and, the coach I was texting with, it told me like, yeah, I mean, he, this kid spends a lot of time in the gym and he really wants to be great. And I believe up until about a year ago, he was actually playing football part of the year too. So he wasn't fully locked in on basketball just yet. So, I mean, now that he's 100% basketball, I think you know you could even see more of an improvement over the next couple of years, but um, he was great. Like you mentioned, Scooter Henderson, again, like we're talking about how great Bruce is, but Dylan in the game before, Scooter in the championship game, both those guys are really, really good players. And, um, you know, Scooter a couple weeks ago in the NCAA Georgia team camp went up with against Grayson and uh, mm-hmm. Davon Smith and Caleb Murphy and those guys. And he was one coming away with scholarship offer from Florida, Florida State at Georgia Tech and Ole Miss. So, um, like you said, he's, he's a little probably a little bouncier. He's, he's tough as can be going to the rim, incredibly creative and crafty finisher, um, competitive on defense. But like you said, the I think it's the physicality that Bruce has that those other guys just don't quite have yet. He's just, he looks like a running back in the NFL already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other guy for TSF that in the championship game, but really throughout the day, that kind of jumped out to me was Chauncey Wiggins. Yes, sir. Six, yes, seven, sir. Six, Talk eight, to me. Talk to forward. me. And, you know, you could sit here and argue. I was actually talking to about this after the game last night. Well, who's the better prospect long term between Bruce and Chauncey? Um, I mean, the arguments there with a kid who's six, seven, six, eight, and skilled and can hit mid-range jumpers and his bouncy's all get out and probably has a seven-foot wingspan. I mean, I, I get the argument in today's game, those kind of versatile forward types are really, really valuable, can go a long way and make a lot of money playing basketball. Um, so, I mean, that argument's there to be have. I'm not the one ready to have it right now, but uh, he was terrific. I thought Joyful Hawkins had a really good day for Game League Big Five, you know, rebounding, finishing, and just playing hard. Um he was a big part of them staying, you know, making it to the championship game as well. And kind of like you mentioned, man, Dylan had a good um, semifinal game against Bruce and was kind of going back and forth between playing 15s and 16s. And um, like you mentioned, played on Team USA earlier this month. And, you know, he's he's had a terrific freshman year up until this point, and I'm sure he'll be continue to be, continue to be great going forward. And then, uh, you know, we haven't really talked about as much yet, Zaka Littleton Jr., who I didn't get a chance to watch enough of yesterday, but um, – you know, watched a little bit throughout the season last month. And um, we're talking about a guy who's probably one of the better shooters flat out in the state right now. So, mm-hmm. um, no, the 2022 class from Georgia is tough, man. It's going to be it's gonna be fun to see how, you know, the 
arguments go back and forth between all those guards and really just the whole class of prospects going forward. Yeah, and we have some really good big men in that class too. I know uh, I'll touch on Chauncey Wiggins in a second, but Chauncey Wiggins, Joyful Hawkins, and this Malik Ewing, uh, did you get able to see Ewan play at all uh, and what do you think about him because I saw him just you know a, a little flash at that that team camp with Burkmar and I thought he looked like he could be a, a complete superstar but then I see this Wiggins kid with his you know his skill and then everyone already knows about Joyful Hawkins and his just athleticism and you know motor to grab rebounds and do a little bit of everything but talking about Malik Ewan um, Joyful Hawkins and Chauncey Wiggins uh those guys are really, really good. But did you get to see Ewan play at all? Just a little bit. And, you know, kind of again, right, right when you see him, the physical traits jump at you. He's probably 6'9 already. He's got a big, strong frame on him, but it, and it's still an athletic look to him. And, um, a little bit I saw him, he got a couple nice rebounds, had one nice little putback. Actually made a really nice little kind of short post dump off to another guy. Made a couple nice passes. So, um, like you said, I know Georgia Tech offered him a couple weeks ago and – I'm, I'm certain they're not going to be the last. If if he if he's anything close to what I think he is in the limited time I've seen him, he's like you said. Those are three guys along with those four guards. I mean, that's that's seven dudes right there who we're going to be looking at are going to have a lot of college coaches coming to Georgia to to recruit them. Yeah, those guys are really talented. And you and you know, I just saw him play uh, against uh, Atlanta Express the other day, and you know, he didn't really get showcased too much offensively. He had just two points, but. You know, seven rebounds, two steals, the three blocks. But he, he looked really good at that team camp, and he just he's very mobile. It looks like he can shoot the jump shot pretty well. Uh, he can handle the ball some too. He can pass pretty well. I just think he's for a guy that that big, uh, and you know, and that young. He's extremely skilled. So I think I still think you in, in the right system, he could turn into a complete monster. I think he's really good. Uh, but Chauncey Wiggins, I mean. My first time seeing him play over there from uh, East Side. I mean, East Side's got a nice little stable now. If 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 he's still there, and they got that Mile K Grant over there as well, uh, and and of course Miles Rice can score the ball at the guard spot. But Wiggins just so talented with that that just such a great soft touch. I mean, he's six seven six eight. He's knocking down jumpers and threes and just nothing but the bottom of the net. So smooth, and he really loves to get it on the low block and turn around and shoot one of those Dirk Nowitzki, you know, uh, one-legged fadeaways or just fadeaways in general. Uh, he just shoots over the top of guys. But uh, he was super impressive as well. And uh, You know, a guy that was a little bit of an unsung hero for me for this TSF MAC team, um, Devin Farrell. I really like him at that guard spot. I think he, he doesn't really force the issue a whole lot. He can knock down the open threes when he's needed to, but he moves the ball well on the perimeter. I liked his game, and I thought Kobe Davis played the best I've ever seen him play in the two games I witnessed him play um, this past weekend. Average 12 points, uh, seven and a half rebounds. I thought he was really good. Yeah, I would agree on both of those. I thought both of those guys were kind of, the, you know, along with Chauncey and Bruce, obviously. I, I thought, you know, those four guys, like, if, if that group sticks together with TSF, they're going to be they're gonna be tough to beat going forward just because – yeah, you, know, you got two high-level stars. Then you got a couple guys alongside them that play a good team game and kind of just make winning plays. Like Devin will defend and knock down shots, like you said. And Kobe's kind of there to play a little bit off of Bruce and made a couple nice drives, and he defends. And yeah, they're 
they're tough, man. It, it, it wasn't a surprise to me they ended up winning the championship yesterday. You know, um, let me dig deep. You know, David Thomas, who's it looks like he's going to start at Eagles Landing. I know he was at New Creation Christian Academy last year, and he was playing as an eighth grader. But yeah, I believe he's a, a twenty twenty three now. Uh, what do you think about David Thomas and his addition to Eagles Landing? Because he's long been a, a great player in these travel circuit events. He's playing with Team YRN now. Uh, I think he's mature beyond his years, and I think he's going to be a freshman that can make a big-time impact right away this next GHSA season. No question. I actually watched him the same game I saw Kershaw Thrash, who's also Eagles Landing last month in the Georgia team camp. And, man, I, I didn't see a ton of him yesterday, but he had one move where he spun. He had a, it was a nice drive left, spin back right, and the spin move was the quickest spin move I think I've ever seen. The defender was completely lost. David gets right to the rim for an easy finish, and um, that's just part of his game. He's a great scorer, great passer, good size for a freshman guard. I mean, you know, I, I'm not terribly familiar with the 2023 class yet, but between him and some of the guys in the TSF eighth grade group, and there's there's a lot of talent up there. And I mean, before long, Kyle, we're going to be sitting here picking those teams for 59 division next year, and um, I'll be curious to see you know where he ends up and where the rest of those guys end up going forward. Yeah, it was a, certainly a great event, great talent among all levels. And uh, before I let you uh, kind of give a, a, a final thought on the weekend, I want to bring uh, Ramin back in. Uh, Ramin, do you have any questions? Do you have any uh, anything you want to interject about this uh, this week? And I know you weren't <laughs> able to get out there, but I know you, you like to track the game of basketball uh, some as well. And we have uh, one of the most knowledgeable recruiting guys in the Southeast at our disposal right now. So, Ramin, you got anything for uh, Mr. McDonald? Yeah, I was just going to mention up at the top of the podcast and towards the 17U, we talked a lot about the GHSA team camps that occurred, uh, I guess, a couple weeks ago now, and then the independent teams versus the shoe circuit teams. So, Dan, with everything that's gone on with the new rules and then the indictments that have come down, have you really seen anything materially change from the recruitment from the college side or from how these teams are playing? Do you think – these independent teams are gaining more traction or is it pretty much just status quo? Yeah, I don't think a whole lot's changed. I mean, I, I think for one of these independent teams that come together, like the Georgia Knights group has, or the Hypox group has, you got to have a combination of getting those kids together early is the first part, but then having the right kind of kids that want to stay together and play together and play for each other and win together, as opposed to, you know, the first time, you know, for example, like if Matt Cleveland, like the first time one of these shoe company teams tried to go recruit him to come play for them, you know, he dips. Like those teams haven't had that happen. So you got to have kind of have those two ingredients because otherwise, like it's hard, man. Like the EYBL is such a pool for kids to go play in, you know, and even the Under Armour and the Adidas circus, those are, those are tough pools because those are where the college coaches go for the most part. So I don't think a whole lot's changed. The calendar's changed. I think the two recruiting weekends in June have been great additions to the calendar. Um, I just wish they would kind of go back to something similar to what they had in July and have three weekends so that, you know, cause I, I like the idea that college coaches, the college coaches with his high school team and they're at the high school season, his travel team in April, come back and see him against high school team in June and then travel team again in July. And you get a chance to kind of see development over that time, but you also get to see a kid in different settings to where if he's great with one and not great with the other, you know, you can kind of balance the two and try to figure out, you know, okay, is he more of what he is with high school or more of what he is with his travel team or is it somewhere in between? So um, 
those are kind of the changes I've kind of seen or kind of my thoughts on the situation. And I guess generally moving forward, you said you've been covering it for about a decade here in Georgia, recruiting and um, you know tracking prospects. How have you seen things change over the past decade? And where do you see the state of basketball in Georgia heading over the next decade? Uh, I mean, as far as like the talent level, I mean, it's, it's probably strong now as it's been in my 10 years. Um, the way recruiting's changed, I just think it's – the thing has changed more – the high school recruiting part of it hasn't changed a whole lot. Social media has kind of become a way bigger part of it and kind of influenced things a little bit, but not a ton. But the big thing is the transfer market. And, the way, and that obviously doesn't directly affect high school recruiting, but in some sense it does because – instead of high school, our college coaches looking for high school players in the spring, a lot of times they're like, well, let's go look and see what's on the transfer market first, and then we'll come back for a high school kid. So, and, and that I think kind of encourages kids to kind of settle for something quick and then go to college. And if, if they need to transfer, they transfer because they already know that college coaches prioritize transfers first. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing that's changed is the social media aspect of it. And then the transfer portal kind of, you know, that those, those floodgates have been open. And I want to ask uh, one last question. Uh, what do you think about the NCAA, uh, the live period event for the GHSA that all these coaches put together and, you know, had at McKee, Sharon and Marietta and Wheeler. Uh, how do you think that played out? Do you think that was very successful? Um, what were your lasting thoughts on that? I love, I, I thought it was great. The, co- the coaches did an awesome job putting together. I love the team camp. The team camp was awesome. I, I got to see so many kids I never got to see before and that would probably never get to see in that setting. Um, learned a lot of good things. So I thought I saw a lot of really good games. In general, like I thought the team, the individual camp was better than a normal individual camp, but I'm just not a fan of individual camps to begin with because I think it's hard to bring kids together for a camp, throw them on teams of kids they've never really played with before and to be able to make it work in two days. I think that's a tough ask for, for everybody involved, for people putting it together, the kids, the coaches, like it's just, it's tough. So mm-hmm. if, if I could make one recommendation, just, just try to do two team camps next, next year. And if the same teams want to come both weekends, bring the same teams. If some teams play one weekend, but not the other, then, then do it that way. But um, I would be in favor of having two team camps over one individual, one team camp. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a big uh, proponent of a uh, team camps because I do like that in a, more of a structured environment, you know, can they execute their set plays or going up against coaches that know how to take away, take away their strengths and kind of exploits weaknesses and, and stuff like that. So I, I do like that, you know, it's kind of can be a mishmash of talent when you throw them all together on a, you know, in an individual team camp, while it's great to see all these guys under one roof, you're probably not going to get 100% out of them, what you would be able to get out of them. Uh, if they were playing with guys they know and they had the chemistry and you really get a good feel for them. Uh, but yeah, I was, I thought the team camp was outstanding and, you know, it's always great being able to see these schools from many, many miles away and you get to see them uh, in a centralized location that really helps put some of those kids on the map. You know, you can see guys like Jarden Mays over there from Washington County play uh, very talented a guard that I think is going to turn some heads and might pick up some offers his senior season as a, a slinky uh, playmaker. And then guys, uh, you know, Jatorian Warren over there at Tiff County, a six, six forward uh, still improving, but has come a long, long ways from even a year or two ago. 
Um, guys like that from South Georgia really getting a chance to showcase what they can do in the Metro Atlanta stage with a lot of college coaches there, which is great for them to really get seen. Um, yeah. But, you know, wrapping things up, uh, just wanted to give you the floor. Battle for Georgia, I thought it was a great success. You know, 80-79 to 79 was the final score of the, the final game of the night with the Georgia Knights taking it. But uh, any lasting impression, lasting thoughts, anything you just want to, you know, put out there, you have the platform to talk about Battle for Georgia. Anything you want to say? You know, I mean, we kind of touched on everything, Kyle. I just, I just kind of want to I guess, say thank you to you and guys like Trent Markwith and all the other OST 24-7 and SCV TV and all the media guys that came and covered it because, I mean, that's a big part of it too is getting the word out and having, you know, big-time media platforms like yourself and those ones I mentioned and a couple – and there was, there's a few I didn't mention. I hate them not thinking off the top of my head, but um, all that went great. The coaches and the teams buying into it, the parents coming and supporting it. And I thought the officials didn't have any issues there and scorekeepers and everybody. Like, I, I thought the whole thing went really, really smooth and really, really thankful that everybody could kind of – come together and make it happen because it, it's not just me. It's not just our team at Lake Point. It's, it kind of takes everybody to make this thing work. So um, it was a bunch of fun and, you know, two straight years, it was a really good event and hopefully next year it can be even better. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, it was, uh, it was tremendous. And, you know, Lake Point, the basketball, you know, operations, everything you guys got going on over there with Dean Keener as well. You guys have really been, really been growing it. And, you know, in just year two for battle for Georgia, it was uh it was outstanding, and I know you guys are going to continue to rev it up and make it bigger and better, and just all your all your basketball events and your fall leagues and your showcase events and everything throughout the year. I'm always a, a big-time supporter of what you guys got going on over there at Lake Point. But, you know, to wrap things up, I just want to thank you, Dan McDonald, for coming on with us today. I want to thank Ramin for being the producer and moderator of the podcast, and I want to thank everybody for listening. But I appreciate you, Mr. McDonald, and uh, Georgia high school basketball season will be here in no time. And uh, Sounds good, man. Thanks for having yes, me. Yes, of course. We will, we will see you in the gym. And until next time, Kyle Sandy here, Ramin Forgani here, and special guest Dan McDonald here signing off.